It never ceases to amaze me how the Holy Spirit puts things together. Uh, Verse 5 of this last song. Because that's what we're going to be talking about today. Uh, The title is uh, Spiritual Fornication with Other Gods. Idolatry. It's everywhere. Uh, We all have our own idols, I guarantee you. There's things that we serve and we put in more importance than God. The Holy Spirit corrects us. Then we make changes to those to get back in line with God and who we are supposed to serve. But there's far deeper things than the transgressions of God's people that I'm going to talk about today. Uh, But this verse 4, The dearest idol I have known, whate'er that idol be, Help me to tear it from its throne and worship only thee. What a wonderful sentiment uh, to have. Let me get set up here. This is, uh, to me, I I think going to be a little difficult. And when I try to do this, uh, take this much of a timeline and this much information and condense it down to this size, to still make it relevant and tell you where we are or where we're going or where the world is going is uh, sometimes can be a little tedious uh, and difficult. But as I said, I started with the spiritual fornication of, of other gods. And, you know, if you look through the timeline and history of mankind, God's people, and and uh, the, the deviance of that, there's, there was always splinter groups that occurred. It, it began in, in the garden with uh, Adam, Eve, uh, Cain, and Abel. Cain slew Abel. He went off to a, another place and uh, had his own people. So things were splintered. But even Adam and Eve and Seth and their descendants weren't pure. In the end, before the flood, how many people were righteous and saved? Eight which included descendants of Cain and other descendants of Seth, right? So they weren't, there were from both sides uh, that, that were extinguished, probably because of their involvement in spiritual fornication. I say probably it was. It was absolutely what that it was. Uh, I'm not going to read all of it, but in First Chronicles 1, about 4 through, actually 1 through 27, and I'm gonna go a li- I would go a little beyond that. I'm going to paraphrase this. To get my point across. The eight that were saved, there were three sons, Shamham and Japheth. Three sons had three daughters. Shamham and Japheth went different directions and settled different areas. And what I'm trying to get to is eventually get to the Canaanites, which are descendants of Ham. Uh, not that others didn't have issues, but the Hamites are particularly part of my focus today. So the account of Noah's sons, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this so it won't match what you're trying to read. Uh, some of it's very close because they're short little verses. But the Japhethites were sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javon, Tubal, Meshech, and Tiras. If you look at Tubal and Meshech, those are definitely mentioned in the northern territories where some of the invasions to Israel come from. And... Uh, uh, those areas are up towards the, the colder nations um, and uh, towards Russia, Soviet Union, Meshach, and Tubal. The sons of Gomer, uh, Ashkenaz, Ripla, and Togarmah, 
the sons of Javon. And there's a whole list here. And these are a lot of the maritime people and so forth. Next, the Hamites, sons of Ham. Cush, one of the ones we're going to kind of focus on. Mizraim, Put, and Canaan. Because uh, the Canaanites were particularly impure in many ways. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Sabdoth, Ramah, Sabtica, and the sons of Ramah, Sheba, and Dedan. Cush was the father of Nimrod, one of the guys I'm going to focus on, at least a little, who became a mighty one of the earth, a hunter. Uh, and of course, we know what he did. They were making the Tower of Babel. He wanted to pierce the heart of God and become higher, of God, uh, higher than God, perhaps, or reach up into God with manly, man-built structures, which we know uh, that God... Uh, Destroyed things because of that. Gave them different languages, sent them apart. And uh, the Babylonian cults are still in existence today. Although at some point in time, they were basically wiped out. And I'm going to get to some of that if I can. But Cush and Nimrod were uh, prominent people and what uh, the gods that they served I want to skip down a little bit and get to later. The Canaanite clans were scattered and the borders of Canaan extended from Sidon towards Gerar as far as uh, Gaza, Sodom and Gomorrah and so forth. Uh, these were the sons of Ham. The Semites, the sons born to Shem. Again, Semites, if you think of anti-Semitic, Semitic people, uh, those are the Jewish people and within that area, were all the sons of uh, born to Shem. Uh, also the sons born to Shem, the oldest brother of Japheth. Shem was the forefather of the sons of Eber, the sons of Shem. Elam, Asher, uh, Arphaxad, Lud, Aram, the sons of Aram, Uz, Hul, uh, Gether, and Mash. Uh, the two sons born to Eber, one named Peleg because of uh, his days on the earth was divided and his other brother named Joktan. I'm just going to skip on down. These are the sons of Shem according to their clans and languages and so forth. And if you get back to Chronicles, I think some of you already did turn there. Once you get down to verse 27, then it says the descendants of Ishmael. Again, here was another fracture or a split. God promised Abraham a son. Abraham and Sarah come up with this other plan. Oh, well, I'll just take my handmaiden. And that produced uh, Ishmael. Again, shouldn't have done it. That sin produced uh, the, all the Ishmaelites, and many of those we're having a problem with still today. Uh, those of uh, Middle Eastern descent, this, uh, uh, those folks were... Uh, we're responsible for a lot of the things in the belief systems that are anti-God and anti-U.S., if you will, uh, over the past number of years. And God said that there would be trouble from not following His Word and not trusting, trusting or listening to Him. Now, here's my question. Why did God command the extermination of Canaanites' descendants of Ham. In all this, we must remember that God is goodness. He's not simply a good moral agent like humans are commanded to be. 
He is not beholden or measured to by a standard outside of himself. We cannot look at God's actions as being uh, in any moral category like human actions. God is not a man. The very nature of God is such that he cannot do evil. We always have to keep that in mind. Whether we understand what we see or what we read, God cannot be evil. He's not limited by the infractions of the flesh, our passions, our emotions. He doesn't have those things. He is uh, consistent with all of his actions, everything that he does and everything that he asks and requires. We need but to obey, which is the difficult thing, right? <laughs> obey God. Try it for a day. Uh, it, it doesn't work that easily for us either. Even his own children, we, we, we vary and deviate and have issues. But the Lord is righteous in all of his ways. Psalm, uh, it probably says that exact same, same thing. Psalm 45, 17, if you want to look it up later. Uh, this is the point which we must reconcile these passages in Numbers and, uh, that we see and some in John 3, 16. Yes, God's love. But that's so misused many times that God so loved the world. What world is it talking about? Who does, is it that he loves? And I can tell you that God burns against sin and he burns to, burned against your sin until it was covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I want to turn to Numbers 23.19 to confirm what basically this statement that I just made. Numbers 23.19 God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Uh, hath he said and shall not, uh, hath he said and shall not he do it, or hath he spoken and it shall not be made good? That is our God. Psalm 145, 17. Again, talking about God and his righteousness. We can't even understand his righteousness. There's a lot of his actions and things we, we don't have the, the ability to comprehend what it is that he's doing. Our minds are extremely finite. And that's why we have to walk in faith that when we see and read something, that it's out of God's goodness that he's asking or doing that thing to preserve his people, his way, and to go against his enemies. And he has lots of enemies from the very, very beginning, beginning with Satan, of course, and Satan's influence on many of those nations that we read a few minutes ago. Numbers 31, and I'm going to be in here for a little bit. Numbers 31, verse 14. There were times when they were commanded, and I can't cover all of the, 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 the points in time or peoples. God commanded them to destroy some nations completely. Every man, woman, child, beast, uh, and some not take anything, even the spoils that were normally spoils of war, gold, silver, uh, things like that, that they were polluted and contaminated. Don't take them. And again, Achan failed, brought things uh, sent into the camp by taking things that he shouldn't have. But uh, Numbers 31, uh, verse 14, and this is uh, after accounting of one of these things. And Moses was wroth with the officers of the host, with the captains over the thousands and captains over hundreds, which came from the battle. So Moses said to them, have you saved all the women alive? There's a question. 
Behold, these caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to commit trespass against the Lord in the matter of Peor. And there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. So this, again, this problem caused uh, vexation of the people. A plague among the congregation of the Lord. Now, therefore, kill every male the little ones, and kill every woman that hath known a man by lying with them. But all the women children that have not known a man by lying with them, keep alive for yourselves. And do ye abide without the camp seven days. Whosoever hath killed any person, and whosoever hath touched any slain, purify both yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. And he's given them a, a, a way to purge and cleanse themselves from the things that they came in contact with. And purify all your raiment that is made of skins and all the uh, work of goats and uh, all the things made of wood. And Eleazar the priest said unto the men of war which were uh, which went to the battle, This is the ordinance of the law which God commanded Moses. Only the gold, the silver, the brass, and the iron tin, and the lead, everything that may be made... Uh, that may be, may abide the fire, ye shall make it go through the fire, and it shall be clean. Nevertheless, it shall be purified with the water of separation. There are uh, at least two reasons that God did this. Uh, the first is evidence of what came to pass in Israel did not obey this command. God wanted the land cleared of all temptations to his people to turn from him. And this is a key thing. That's why he said, destroy them, don't mingle with them, because it will be your downfall to do that. They didn't listen, and I wouldn't have listened either. I'm sure that I would have been right in there with my weaknesses, because I'm not greater than David, I'm not greater than some of these other leaders, which uh, did mingle with the people that they were not supposed to. But God wanted the land cleaned uh, of all temptations to his people to turn from him and uh, his worship and his law. He wanted to remove these things that caused him to do that. Canaanites were a threat to the purity of God's people. He had set them apart, consecrated them, adopted them, and in giving this order, he was protecting them. When he said, kill them all. Joshua, for all his faithfulness, left the job unfinished. Once Israel was in the ascendancy, once they felt safe, they began to think about, I think it might prove helpful to leave some of the Canaanites around to fetch their water, maybe to chop their wood. The book of Judges reveals uh, the results. Those few who were spared became a snare, just as God predicted they would, and soon everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Doesn't that sound like mankind? Isn't that what God said that we do? We'll do everything that's right in their own eyes. We're doing our best not to that the Holy Spirit now has filled us. And uh, the Holy Spirit uh, identifies and reveals things to our inner selves to get away from that. But look at what's going on in the world today. They're doing everything that's right in their own eyes. And then you're the enemy because you're trying to actually caution them and save them. This, uh, the, these activities of uh, transvestitism, is that a word? Uh, these activities within all of these other 
sexual, impure, and immoral things are being thrown into our face, and it's a challenge to us because we don't, again, I mentioned this this morning, they don't just want us to allow their behavior. They want us to condone, endorse, and participate in it. And if you don't, you're the bad person. And that's where we are. They want us to participate in them. Uh, again, they became a snare just as God predicted. God doesn't predict. <laughs> it's probably a bad word. But God said and stated that it would. A prediction is I'm going to, I'm a weather forecaster, right? I'm going to predict. I'm going to guess. I'm going to estimate. That's not what God does. He will tell you what the effect is and it's always true. All right, these rivals, and there's a huge list of them. It goes all the way back to the worship of uh, Baal or Baal and uh, a mixture, Baal, Ishtar, uh, Molech. These are all similar gods and sometimes they're referenced kind of like uh, in general, Baal may not re- exactly direct right back to Baal himself, which there was a one, but it's also used in a, a generic sense. It's kind of like, you know what Texans call uh, soft drinks? I get what? Who said it? Coke. It's a Coke. Hey, what kind of Coke you want? Right? <laughs> and when I did that in the military, people they say, oh, I want a Coke. I said, well, what kind of Coke you want? They'd look at me like I was dumb. I said, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Coke is just a generic term in Texas. And if you say Coke in Texas, you usually mean Dr. <laughs> Dr. Pepper. So anyway, that was always kind of like the running joke. So my point is that some of these gods were kind of put under this generic definition and it really kind of in, incorporated or encapsulated all of them. Try to bring a little coke humor in here. So, uh, but we speak in those, those terms sometimes, but sometimes it was very specific when it talked about the queen of heaven who God had great distaste for. And while I'm on that topic, is there a queen of heaven? No. Is there a mother of God? No. Uh, and there's where we go a lot of times, and I'm, I'm itching to get to the end. Uh, this worship of the creature rather than the creator, and I'll add to that, not trying to change the Bible, but creation rather than the creator. And they do those things. They're going to worship the creature, and they're going to worship creation and leave God out of all of it. Now, uh, not taking too much thunder from the end, we do need to be good stewards of the earth. But we don't worship the earth. Uh, I believe in trying to take care of things, but not at the expense of what our freedom is and what's right and wrong. But they're going to take that, well, this misuse of things means you're destroying Mother Earth or Gaia. And uh, this came up the other night in my mind when during our study which kind of confirmed what I wanted to preach was the right thing, kept me on the right trail. But they hold Mother Earth in more importance than anything else. And so much so that, well, you have to have a certain kind of car. You know, electronic vehicles, they don't work. <laughs> I mean, they work and they operate, but they don't save anything. And you can, I'm not going to get too far down into that, but there's lots of problems. Where, where do you get the power to charge an EV? The plug-in. Well, where does that electricity come from? You know, you can just work it back down the line. And uh, you're going to eventually end up with uh, 
coal or gas or something like that in order to charge those electronic vehicles, which are pretty useless. The technology just isn't there. All right, but back to these uh, these pagan gods. Baal, the definition really is master or lord. Well, we only have one master and one lord. There is only one master and one lord that exists. Satan is a mimic. He wants to be higher than God. He wants everyone to worship him. And it's never going to happen. He gets his leagues and legions of people that do worship him, but it's not because he's going to give them favor. They don't understand. He wants to destroy them too because he knows his end is destruction and to be destroyed. And he wants to take as many people down with him as he can. There were a variety of local deities in the area uh, in, in and around near the Holy Land. An example of the local Baal cult is Baal Por, P-E-O-R, mentioned in Numbers 25.3, where the Israelites disgraced themselves in some of the sexual rites and uh, up with the Moabites and worshipped the local god, incurring the wrath and punishment of their own. Now, back to Scripture, Numbers 25. Hopefully that was enough to get things kind of set up with where I want to go. <clears throat> We're going to talk about uh, Belpore, which is one of the other ones. And there were some sad things. You know, the, the wisest man in, in the Bible uh, fell prey to this, this problem. All right, Numbers 25, verse 1. And Israel abode in Shittim, and the people began to commit whoredom, with the daughters of Moab. Moab, I can't do two things at once. And my, again, my title was spiritual fornication. That's exactly what it's talking about here. Uh, we are only to mingle our spirit with one spirit, period. The Holy Spirit. And uh, as God has given us the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, when we're in conflict with that in worshiping other idols, other gods and, and things... Uh, we're in conflict. I got in, I say trouble. We were in a, in a Bible study in, uh, Fort Worth Church in 79, I guess. <laughs> I'm kind of chuckling. We had a gentleman there that liked the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, that was his thing. And I, I began to notice he'd, he'd sit in the back on cowboy games that started around noon and he had his uh, earpiece in. I thought it was a hearing aid at first. wasn't. It was a radio so he could catch the game or he would just leave uh, early so he couldn't wouldn't miss the first whatever minutes of the game and leave church. Uh, it's Brother Harry. <laughs> anyway, we were talking at Sunday school about idols and idolatry. She knows who I'm talking about. but uh, and I said, well, anything can be your idol. I said even football. He about broke his neck, snapping it over, looking at me. And I wasn't really intending that. That's not what had come to mind. But since he brought it up, uh, we continued the conversation. I said, anything can be. Anything that you put before God, and it's usually yourself, that's who you're worshiping. We worship self because, God, I know better. I'm, I know you don't want me to do this. I can feel it, but I'm going to go do it anyway. Who are you worshiping? The creature rather than the creator, Right? So it's the same thing. Anything can become your idol. It doesn't matter what you choose. Uh, 
Verse 2, I know I'm talking a lot. I'm going to have to keep going to get to the end. And they called to the people unto the sacrifices of their gods, and the people did eat and bowed down to their gods. And Israel joined itself to Balpor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take all the heads of the people and hang them up before the Lord against the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may be turned away from Israel. That's a pretty harsh requirement, is it not? Again, go back to God is holy and just and true, and He doesn't make mistakes. He's not emotional. He's not passionate in in those kinds of ways. uh, And He doesn't change. So... uh, and Moses said unto the judges of Israel, Slay every one uh, of his men that were joined under Balpor. And behold, one of the children of Israel came and brought unto us the brethren of the Midianitish woman in the sight of uh, Moses and in the sight of all the congregation of the children of Israel who were weeping before the door of their tabernacle of the congregation. And when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, He rose up from among the congregation, took a javelin in his hand, and he went after the man of Israel uh, in the tent and thrust both of them through the man of Israel and that that woman that he was with. I actually cut off my verse. Everybody on verse 8? What does it say after and the? Okay. So that seems to be pretty harsh, right? But God blessed them and... kept plagues and uh, things from them for doing this thing, to walk away uh, in, a, in a harsh sense we might look at, but God's not harsh. He does what He, and commands what He needs to do to keep people pure, to keep the distractions and the temptations away from them. All right, I want you can look up now. I'm done with the Scriptures for a little bit. i got to go through a few things. I've mentioned some. Ashtar, Ashtaroth, Ishtar, Inanna. Basically similar or the same things. Another popular goddess worshipped in the days of Bible was Ashtaroth, a deity associated with sexuality and fertility and by some people's war. Uh, does Ishtar ring a bell with anybody else in here? I think I've mentioned this before and I know you know it. What, what holiday? Easter. And we still do it. Oh, well, you know, the kids, they just need to go hunt for eggs and the bunny chocolate. And bunnies are pretty good. But I'm not going to celebrate those things. Not to say I haven't eaten a chocolate bunny. Uh, but you know what I'm saying. We've been conned into, at least in a light sense, participating in things that are absolutely evil. I didn't get to adding this in, but when it talked about the queen of heaven in the Bible, God was even upset that they made their little cakes with crosses on them. And there's actually a, a, a children's poem, Hot Cross Buns, that really goes... He, he despised that. Why? It's because they're giving honor to a god or goddess that was act, absolutely impure and caused people to do the wrong thing. He was probably tied uh, to the Mesopotamian cult of Ishtar, which uh, in turn was probably derived from the very ancient Sumerian mother goddess Inanna. The Hebrew Bible also also calls this same goddess Astarte, Ishtar, or Ashtaroth. The ancient Hebrew prophets denounced her cult many times, most likely because she was worshipped with fertility rites. And again, that's what Easter is all about. 
you know, eggs and rabbits and all the other silly things that people participate in. We're going to participate, what is today? Third, 29th? 30th. Uh, tomorrow, I guess, right? What do they do? Well, they're going to go basically worship demon spirits and other things and have to get candy. And I fought this in the church before. Not that they wanted to celebrate Halloween, but they wanted to go, well, let's just have a harvest celebration. Or let's uh, make sure, because the kids can't be denied their candy. Uh, we want to have a, some kind of celebration here. And I caved in once or twice and we did a harvest thing. And I just really didn't even like that because it's still a reflection of the thing that I despised. Uh, but we shouldn't want to participate in anything, even in a lighter sense. You know, your kids can do without candy. I hope I'm not upsetting any of the children here. But if your parents choose not to let you participate in things, it's for your own good. So you don't learn uh, the things of the world and that you think that you have to participate in them. Where does it say in the Bible... Kids need Christmas presents. I don't, I don't know where it is. In fact, it should be the other way around. Again, I hope I'm not upsetting children here. But we should be uh, in a time of forgiving and forgiveness and celebrating that the, uh, the God of everything came down to man. Emmanuel, God with us. All right, I'm going to get off those celebrations. The point is, is that many of the things that we just kind of casually take in, they have sources that are demonic sources and sources that go back to idolatry. Again, Sunday, worship the sun. Monday, the moon. Don't remember what the others are. Thor's day, Thor. You know, Saturnia uh, on Saturday. And they just kind of slip these things in and it's just become a normal thing for us to participate in. And you, you can't get away from it. You can't, well, I'm not going to call it moon day anymore. I don't know. People think, look at you like you're crazy, but we really shouldn't participate even lightly in those things. There, there are consequences to that and to our letting our children, and to letting our children participate in things that they really shouldn't. Uh, the Hebrew Bible was quite fierce in its denunciations of Molech, not simply because of the sin of idolatry, but because of the custom of worshipers of Molech. I'm looking for kids. Because what they did with Molech, they sacrificed their children in fire. The Hebrew prophet Jeremiah describes the horror of the ancient rites, telling us that God says they built high places to Baal in the very <clears throat> valley of Beth Hinnon and immolated their sons and daughters to Molech, bringing sin upon Judah. You see the consequence? Do these things, it brings plague. Do these things, it brings this sin. Do these things, and it separates you from God. And he warned them over and over and over. Uh, bringing sin upon Judah, and this I never commanded them, nor did it enter in my mind that they should practice such abominations. That's what God says and said. You think, well, that's olden times. No, <laughs> this is happening today. Where are all these missing children going? Nobody has an answer. Uh, I think, I suspect things. I, I Can I prove it? No. But there's way too many missing to not think that 
tragedy, very tragic, sinful things are becoming some of them. Don't know. Uh, in my mind, uh, just a simple matter of abortion is in a way giving homage to Satan, doing his work, destroying uh, a life. Now, was it actually always done under an idol and given the same way? No, but the end is the same. Death that shouldn't be there, taking lives that shouldn't occur. I always come up with little asides in my mind. Did you know in Canada it's now becoming uh, law to euthanize? There's a, you can go read it about it. There's a young man in his early 20s. He's very depressed, can't find a girlfriend, and he wants to die, and the, the state's going to help him and approve it. And then what's the next step? Well, let's just get rid of uh, all the people that can't contribute to society. I'm looking at one right there. Well, is he a burden? Nope, absolutely not. But again, the Nazis, that's what they were after. Well, we're just going to cleanse everybody. We're an Aryan nation. Everybody's pure. If it's a, if you're too sick or uh, unable, we're just going to extinguish you. And that's not the way that God works. I don't think if it's in Canada, it's not far from coming to us. Here's the sad thing I mentioned at Solomon. Man. All right, I'm not sure if I can get to all of it or not. I'm going to do my best. King Solomon is also led astray uh, by the third of the favorite of pagan gods, Molech, who we just mentioned, to whom raised an altar near Jerusalem, although the Bible tells us that God twice warned him not to, and in punishment for this, uh, this heir would be deprived of of things that he should have been able to do. He was a wise man, but he had all these wives and concubines and those that he married with or affiliated with led him astray. And Solomon, the wisest man, built altars in high places to them. The wrong God. Or wrong gods. Little G. Let's go to uh, 1 Kings 11, verse 1. And in my mind, Molech, Ishtar, uh, uh, Baal, they're all the same. Uh, at, at least they're all the same source. There may have been uh, slight differences, but they all go back to worshiping Satan and his, the captains of the demons. First Kings chapter 11, verse 1, But King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians and Hittites uh, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, ye shall not go into them, neither shall they come into you, for surely they will uh, turn away your heart after the gods. And Solomon clave unto these in love. It wasn't just, well, I'm going to lightly participate. He went in wholeheartedly to these things. And he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines and wives, and his wives turned away his heart. For it came to pass when Solomon, Solomon was old that his wives turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, and was the heart of David 
as was the heart of David his father. Uh, for Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, Milcom, and then that goes back to uh, Molech and others. There's just different uh, names. Milcom, actually Malcolm, Milkin. Uh, there's several versions of that. Uh, in, for the abomination of the Ammonites. Ammonites should ring a bell too. God's door of forgiveness is always open. For the children of Ammon, the Ammonites went 400 years in their sin till their sin was complete. I preached on it about a year ago. I didn't look up the date. But when their sin was complete, God wanted them destroyed. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as David his father. He didn't go fully. He was the wisest man. Uh, he wasn't completely dedicated, if you will. Then uh, did Solomon build an high place for Chemosh uh, and ab- the abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem and for Molech, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And again, those are the ones that sacrificed their children under the Molech. And likewise did he for all his strange wives, which uh, burnt incense and sacrificed unto their God. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, warning him. I mentioned that earlier with my little paraphrase. He uh, And had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not. And there was consequences for this and the consequences were the people that were being led astray uh, by their leadership let's go to jeremiah 32 35 actually 33 jeremiah 32 33 because i want to i preached on this uh, a couple of months ago Verse 33 says this, and they have turned unto me the back. What's that mean? God's telling me something. I'm not going to listen. The other part is in that sermon, I said, we are not of those that draw back. We are not of those that turn away. We are not of those that do not listen. Doesn't mean we don't have faults and sins, but we want to listen to God. We're striving, striving to control the flesh. And focus on Him. Now there's times we deviate. We go from the right or left. There's times that we fall down. But He's always the one that uh, restores and, and brings us back. Right? They turned unto me the back and, and not the face. Though I taught them rising up early and teaching them. Yet they have not hearkened to receive instruction. But they set their abominations in the house. Which is called by my name to defile it. They put some of these things in some of the holiest of places. Verse 35, And they built high places of Baal, which are the valley of the son of Hinnon, who would cause their sons and their daughters to pass through the fire, like Molech that we talked about, mentioned here, unto Molech, and which I commanded them not. Neither came into my mind that they should do this abomination and to cause Judah to sin. Uh, to sin. And now, therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning this city, whereof ye say, it shall be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon by the sword and by the famine and by the pestilence. The Babylonian beliefs are still alive and coming through all the way through to today. It's what I want to kind of lead you to thinking. You may already feel this way. 
Let's see, where did I leave off here? 36. And now therefore thus saith the Lord God of Israel concerning this city, it shall be delivered. There we go. 37. Behold, I will gather them out of all the countries whither I have driven them in mine anger and in my fury and with great wrath, and I will bring them again into this place and cause them to dwell safely. And this is talking about the return, the diaspora of Israel and to bring them back to the land. And they shall be my people, and I will be their God, and I will give them one heart, one way, that they may fear me forever for the God of them and for their children after them. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them that I will not turn away from them to do them good, but I will put my fear in their hearts. What's the everlasting covenant? Who's the embodiment of the everlasting covenant? One word. One. Well, he's got many names. Jesus. That's it. So that's what he's speaking of here, that there will be an everlasting covenant guaranteed and fulfilled with the arrival of Christ. It's going to be hard. I want to read something to you and then see if you can kind of guess where it came from. It's Laudato Si. It means misignore. It means praise be to you, my Lord. Our common home is like a sister with whom we share our life, a beautiful mother who opens up her arms to embrace us. Praise be to you, my Lord, through our sister, Mother Earth, who sustains and governs us, who produces various fruit with colored flowers and herbs. Who said that? Anybody want to guess? The Pope. Pope Francis. This is from his, uh, you can look it up, the Laudato Si. That's, of course, Italian or, or uh, Latin. And it goes on. If you read this entire thing, it's from 2015. Uh, Pope Francis is laying out these things, and it's so much about he gets into all the environmentalist stuff and other things. Again, they're worshiping creation and the creature more than the creator. And he's doing it himself and leading all these people astray. The sister now cries out to us because of the harm we have inflicted on her by our irresponsible use and abuse of the goods uh, which God has endowed her. And it just goes on and on with these terrible, terrible things uh, leading us astray. And that's what the Pope is doing. The reason I got on this topic with him was, and you can look this one up. Has anybody heard of the, the Birmingham 2022 celebration or the uh, Commonwealth Games? No? Go look that one up too. I, well, stunned or shocked, not surprised. Uh what it was in July of this last year, uh, King Charles, excuse me, Prince Charles, now King, I'm going to put it in parenthesis, just a couple of months before uh, the Queen died, he presided over this Commonwealth Games. And it began, and you can get a full uh, description and kind of replay of this, but it began with him opening the ceremonies, all the dignitaries came in, and there were visitors from the uh, the Commonwealth of uh, Great Britain, 70-some-odd uh, people there, leaders there, brought in. 
they started with a video and it showed this star uh, shattering and the shards then falling down to earth. And these 72 representative picking up shards uh, from this shattered star that had been sent to earth. Does that ring a bell or is reminiscent of anything? Satan being conquered and sent to earth? Alright. So they pick up these shards and then they're all shown in houses representing these areas coming into the stadium or dome. And then these people there with these, these are all actors and people participating in this. Uh, they all have these shards in their hand. There's one leader uh, of them. And then they bring in this gigantic bull. I mean, it's huge. And it's got women tugging at these chains to drag Molech into the stadium. And he's huffing and puffing. The other thing, as Molech's being brought in, what he's facing is a reconstruction or emblem of the Tower of Babel. <laughs> this is crazy to see this. All right. So Molech comes in. There's some other things said. Then the chains fall off of Molech. Another symbolism of the... Uh, the powerful angels being in chains until a certain time. And Molech is released. She walks over with the, uh, the main one with the, the first shard. And then she mounts the, the Molech, the bull, again riding the dragon. Because Molech is a symbol of the dragon. And then they move forward. This is a long ceremony, by the way. So, uh, this is... They're not even hiding it anymore. And not that they haven't had exhibitions of Molech and other things. It happened in the, one of the... Uh, grief. I hate being... I'm 64 now, so I'm really even more allowed than I was last week of forgetting things. When they brought all the people in for the World Fair. The World's Fair, thank you. Sometimes I have to talk through it. The World's Fair in, in the late 50s, whenever that one was, they had a Molech temple set up there too. It's kind of a, a thing, an exhibition. Of course, they again try to pretend that it's okay and it's just a historical thing and, and so on. But uh, I, I believe they know exactly what they're doing. I believe that uh, Prince Charles knew exactly what he's presiding over. Now, I've had thoughts. I'm just going to say it. They're thoughts only. I have no idea. Is it possible that King Charles is the Antichrist and the Pope is the uh, false prophet? Could be. If not, they're forerunners of it. Which, Christ had forerunners. The false prophet and the Antichrist uh, himself can be a forerunner. And that's if you believe it. it's a, a person and not necessarily a government. But there's also going to be a world religion established. In 2000, circa 2008, uh, go look it up, the UN uh, uh, Alliance of Civilization. It's a document. UN Alliance of Civilization. If you look in that, and then within the document, there's some paragraphs that say, what we need is a time where we have a, sim a symbiotic relationship between government and religion. This was set up 15 years ago. And it tells you exactly what they're after and what they want. They want a one-world government and a one-world religion led by a man of sin and uh, uh, propagated by the false prophet. 
This is all coming into a line now. Again, some of these documents, like the Alliance of Civilization, that's 15 years old. But all it does is tell you they have plans. These people uh, uh, don't think in terms of five, ten years. All right, they will work on things for fifty or a hundred years ahead of time to try to align things. Satan's been aligning things for six thousand years, so they're at work and hard at work, and that's pure Molech worship. We just heard about all the th- bad things about Molech, right? But they seem as uh, the God of light, the God of enlightenment, the God of peace. And all it really means is they don't want to be bothered with telling you, you can't do that, it's sinful, you shouldn't do this. And we're saying it to protect them. They look at it, you're inhibiting us from our freedom. And I'm sick of hearing that. We're trying to save your soul by preaching truth to you and telling you what kind of mess you're going to get into by following these things. Whether in an overt sense or accidentally or just happen to be there, they're still turning their back on God and doing things the way they wish. Romans 8, 18. I'm going to make it. Looks like. Romans 8, 18. And I skimmed through a couple of things to, for time's sake, make sure I could get to the end. But... Again, it's not surprising that we have uh, the leaders, the Illuminati, the whatever you want to talk to them. I don't want to get too tin-hatted on you. But there are people that are in control that want to be in control and all they want to do is use everybody else and put themselves in power. I fully believe that liberals would burn down everything as long as they could be king of the ashes. All right, Romans 8, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. They think they're true. They think they're right, but it's all unrighteous. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things from Him, uh, from the creation of the world, are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. They know what they're doing. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations that their foolish uh, heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Boy, does that describe today's people uh, outside of the church. No better statement can be made about them. And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like unto corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and to creeping things. Just think about all the religious symbols that are out there today. Rather worship a cow than God. And that's just one. And creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through their lust of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator. And I added creation to that because they worship creation more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause gave them up to vile affections, uh, for even their women did change natural abuse into that which was against nature. 
And likewise, also men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which was unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. This statement here has come up a few times recently about falling away or apostasism. And, uh, and it's not that these people ever had God in their heart. But the knowledge that they did know, the sweetness that they did come across, they rejected and went to the full course of going after Baal and so forth. And, uh, but it's, it's a wonderful discussion to, to have about apostasy and falling away. But the world is falling away. There, there is no natural desire of things holy. It's an absolute rejection and going the other way. But I can also tell you, I believe in a, a holy, merciful God that when there is true repentance as led by the Holy Spirit, it's forgiven. And even some of these abominable things. All right, we talked about Canaanites, right? Uh, the Canaanites were in areas like Nineveh, Jericho. And those are two that I can tell you. One out of Jericho was saved. Her name was... Rahab, and we know what she did, right? One of these days we're going to quit calling her Rahab the whatever. But she's just Rahab, our sister, <laughs> right? But I know why we they say that in the Bible. But also Nineveh. You know, Jonah was not happy. Because Nineveh, probably as the Assyrians, had attacked Israel and so on. He didn't want them forgiven. But God forgave Nineveh. Hundreds of thousands of people. The people from the king all the way down to the, the animals were covered in sackcloth and mourning. Jonah still didn't like it, and that was Jonah's problem. But God has mercy on whom he will have mercy. And these people had the same idols and gods that the other Assyrians did. And God forgave them. And to do those things which are not convenient, being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whispers, backbiters, haters of God. Uh, and I'm not going to read the rest. You know what it is. These are covenant breakers. They don't know how to keep their word or the truth. They don't know what truth is. They wouldn't know truth if it hit them on the head. I hope that God wakes them up out of their stupor, the ones that are his, and well, not hope I, he will if they're his, but you, you know what I'm saying. We need to turn around. We need as a nation to come together and and stand up for the things that are right. Not be embarrassed. Uh, Bible talks about that. I'm not ashamed. Be not ashamed of the word of God of what your witness should be, and so forth. It is all around us, and all this leads me to say is, it's what I opened up with this morning. Jesus is coming soon. And I can't wait for that. At the same time, he has work to be done or he would be back. I've said this many times up here. Uh, and we just need to try to determine what it is the Holy Spirit has for us to do. But we're surrounded by these things. Our world is saturated with it. The media, uh, the entertainment industry and everything 
Um, but I do see these little bright spots where people are waking up. And I hope that continues, not just to wake up and say, well, that's wrong, but to wake up and say, well, who do I follow that will make everything right? And that's Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, Emmanuel, who will be with us again in person here on planet Earth with the Ancient of Days. Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for these things that no matter what we see and uh, that's happening around us, that we have faith in you. Don't let our faith be shaken as things uh, get worse, perhaps, or the, the heat's turned up, because there's a reason for that, is to perhaps jar people out of their stupor. And uh, just let us know uh, what we need to do, make us able ministers to witness in the right way that will lead others to you. All these things we say in Jesus' name, amen.